It's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. This is the Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dave Gladding. Dave, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, anything for you, man. Yeah. I, uh... I'm, I'm get, just getting over a, uh, a sprained back, but Ooh. when uh, when you call, I answer. Yeah, yeah, jeez, I'm I'm looking at you now. I hope you're like sitting down in a nice, comfortable chair for this uh, streaming call we're doing now for this for this man. You're, you're, I, I, I don't like very comfortable. I don't like your posture, man. You're leaning to one side. I'm a little scared, yeah. man. How's that? Better? Yeah, yeah. All I right. got this. Cool. You know, I've been. It's funny you say that because you know what I've been watching lately, man. These videos of people getting chiro chiropractors snapping their necks up and and breaking their backs open and all that. I kind of. I just want one of these people to do that to me. I, I feel like it's, I feel like it would solve a lot of my back problems. I don't know, man. I, I I've never had that done. My wife had has had that done, and she said it's not like a pleasant experience. Huh? Like I, it, you know, I, I'm not like a, I don't really, you know, I'm not I'm not a chiropractor. I don't know why they why they actually do that with the crack in the necks and the crack in the backs and stuff. I'm sure there is like a perfectly good reason for it, but you know, there's a I don't know, man. I, I don't know what. Like she said, she didn't like feel better after having it done so that's why i'm like you know i don't under, I, I don't understand the science for it so but that's just me huh i just my back so people people might have seen me uh waddling away in 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 pain in acute back pain uh that afterbirth show at amityville musical musical uh that we talked about man i I did something to my, i wrenched my back nice uh that night man i, I gotta I, i'm thinking maybe instead of maybe i'll just get like somebody like one of these distros like uh gurgling gore like big daddy gore or ralph from haunted hotel i'll just slide them a 20 maybe they can just hit me in the back with like a, a pillowcase full of, of soap you know pillowcase hey. full of like some bars of soap you know just old school just lay on the ground and just have them drop their distro on your back yeah that'll, yeah uh that'll straighten you out actually that's not a bad idea man get some of those vinyl records snap my ribs back into play i don't know yeah. man I, Ra I, ralph's got a big uh a big catalog man he could really you know you you, you got to be careful though because you could probably kill you with all those <laughs> all, all those records and stuff he, that he has is that a challenge <laughs> let's see if i could let's see if i could power lift haunted hotel records entire yeah, like, catalog. Like big will versus Haunted Hotels back catalog. <laughs> Shout out to Ralph. We gotta get it's been a while since we had Ralph on that time. We had we did a whole episode with Haunted Hotel Records, Ralph. Uh he's he's a good dude, man. Um uh no, but real talk, man. Um how was your weekend, Dave? I, I would did, did you go to the big show? Uh, you know which one I'm talking about. The uh the Morpheus Descent show. That was the big show, the the Thanksgiving or weekend show. Did, week. did, did you end up at that one? I did, yeah. To, let's all right. I, I did not end up there. My check engine light was on. It was Thanksgiving weekend. Family was around. Just a lot of a lot of factors, you know. But you tell me, man, how was that show? It was great, man. I, I enjoyed. Uh, I didn't stay for All Out War. Hmm. I'll um I'll put that out front. But um, all the other bands were really good. Uh, I want to get their damn name wrong. Uh. Ne necroptic dis discord in necroptic engorgement Is yeah necroptic engorgement yes necroptic engorgement i thought they were fucking great they were you know really like nothing nothing like mind-blowing but just like really good competent like brutal death metal you know they had like the 
the highs and the low vocals uh you know the drummer was good lots of good blasting and stuff and no no frills no frills yeah they 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 knew what they were doing they weren't trying to be fancy about it or anything like that you know i would really like to uh to check out some of their albums yeah because uh i i'd never heard i really i might have heard a song here and there but like i was i was very impressed with their set at that show i hope i get to see them again all right all right and and what about uh was it winter nights yeah they were good they were like a weird they definitely stuck out a little on the show i'd say they were sort of like melodic like excuse me they're like sort of like melodic uh mix of like doom and black metal and things of that nature like sort of very like kind of european sounding if i'm not mistaken they've been around a few years now because i'm pretty sure i caught them uh a, a while back in like in, in queens or brooklyn at some old day metal fest thing i mean i'm going back you know six years i, I want to say maybe i i think rick said something similar uh because yeah. we were hanging out at the show he, he i think he said that like they had played with grace guys fallen at some point like going back you know they were like i would see them again there was like it got a little self-indulgent at one point like i think there was like a a bass slash drum kind of solo Ooh. that was like oh you know everyone can play everyone in that band could play they got all, all got great chops but like you know being kind of an opener on a on a on a show like that i was kind of like yeah can you just cut this part out might want to listen the songs were good like all their all their music was really good and everything but it was just like it and me like owning a bass i was like the bass player could really play but i just didn't want to hear that at that point i wanted them to like you know play a good set finish up so more pieces of sense could play there's a subtle art to knowing what material to play as an opener or as a supporting act and what material you save for the headlining set yeah absolutely i've always in all the bands that I've ever been in, I've always been like a fan of like, we, like I've never been in a band that was like a headliner and every band, like I've always sort of been a, a believer in leaving them wanting more. Yes. And I like, again, every band is the only person that thought that you now, like everyone else that I wanted to, that, that I was in a band with would want to play like, you know, 45 minutes or an hour mm. and just, rip through all these songs and it's just like dude play a 20 minute set have them buy the demo tape afterwards they want to hear more yeah that's yeah you you got everybody outside smoking a cigarette at the end of your set if you play too long leave them wanting more exactly which is why unlike you i do not acknowledge my children um they're just they yeah they look come on i'm just it's the holidays it's a holiday joke no uh but you know who i will acknowledge past guests of the show real quick because we're talking about shows i gotta throw this out there uh, Karate Steve. We did a whole episode where we talked to Karate Steve um, December 10th at O'Brien's Pub. Real quick, so if you listen to this episode the day it drops, you still got time to make December 10th at the old O'Brien's Pub in Boston uh, for Grub Sweat Beer. Uh, I'm sorry, Grub Sweat Beer Presents. That's the, the booking agency. High Holidays. That's the name of the event. The bands involved are Ancient Death, Karate Steve, and Iron Gag. Uh, solid three, three bands is nice because you don't get bored you don't end up feeling like you're at a wedding or something and you're just hanging around you know what i mean man that's like the perfect number of bands honestly you get like a good lean three bands they all make sense together 
Yeah. You, know, you show up like eight o'clock, nine o'clock. You're done by like, if you're lucky, you're at the door by 11 o'clock or midnight. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to go to a show where I got time to like go outside and smoke and contemplate life and be like, all right, what are we doing here? You know, like, come on, man, like keep them going. But yeah, three show, three band, Ancient Death, Karate Steve, Iron Gag at O'Brien's Pub in Boston, uh, December the 10th uh, at 9 p.m. You ever been to O'Brien's Pub? You know, I haven't. I always, um, I, I've been, I'm a big fan of uh, Return to the Pit.com and, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and that guy's like pho- photography. Yeah. And it, it's one of those places that, you know, I've been I've been sort of seeing photos from it for years, and I would love to attend a show there, if not, you know, play a show there. Long running death metal history. That when I was in Biolich, we supported Demolich there one night back in two thousand and six. Right. Uh, the first time Demolich came to the states, man. Yeah, a lot of death metal history up there, man. Um, but but yeah, you went to another. You went to a show this past weekend, did you not? No, I don't think I did. What? What? Oh, okay. What? You? I thought maybe. All right. I talked to somebody else. Were you? You didn't go to the mortician show then? Oh, you know what? I was going to. I had a ticket, and but then like my my back was fucked up, and I was like, I can't Damn. like stand and have to like fight people yeah. in the pit. Yeah, yeah. You know? you can, I can't fight anybody. That's that's so, true. Yeah, I'm I'm too old for that shit. Okay, all right, that's my bet. But, so, uh, so, so yeah. that that was this past weekend. That's a big look for Bowel Erosion, uh, Suffolk County Gore Grind Boys, and Nassau County Gore Grind Boys uh, in support of uh, mortician and miasmatic necrosis. Um, really, that was I heard that was a big show. I couldn't attend myself either. To be perfectly honest, man, some of these big sold out shows, I feel like I'm just taking up air, taking up breathing room out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm getting a little like. I feel like I'm getting a little too old to be like up front in the press, you know, getting all sweated on and moshed on and shit. Like, you know, I, I like a little bit of space on a at, in the back or someplace like that. And, you know, I'd almost rather give the ticket to somebody else. Like you're saying, mm, like, just, mm. you know, like I've seen all these bands before. Well, so. somebody else. So I think has seen it all before, but is still ready to be up front getting pressed uh, every time they play a show is none other than Joe from Immortal Suffering. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with him in person recently at that aforementioned Afterbirth show before I wrenched my back, and we were able to set up this uh, interview about the history, about his involvement, his history, and his perspective on the band Immortal Suffering, which he is still in. This is Big Will from Heavy Old Podcast, and I'm here with Joe Provisero of Immortal Suffering. How are you, Joe? Doing good. Thank you for your time, man. We appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Will. Yeah, man, 100%, man. And um, listeners of the podcast might realize we had Leo Backman on several months ago. Uh, and it ended up kind of coincidentally, surprisingly, being like shortly before he parted with the ba- with ways with the band. I understand it was on am- amicable terms. These things happen in life, right? Yep, now life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, exactly, man. So I've been meaning to have you come on here, and as I, I was talking to you behind the scenes, you actually have a little bit longer in the history, history in the band 
um, than Leo did. So I want to play catch up right here, Joe. Uh, if I got it right, most of the original lineup of the band is from Queens, New York. Is is that true for you? Yeah, it was pretty much everyone except for Ray. Ray was on the borderline. He was in Brooklyn, but you know, pretty much you know, right across the borderline into Brooklyn. Okay, and maybe take me through a little bit. Right, well, first of all, the typical heavy hole question, how about this? Are you from a musical family? Are there musicians in your family older than yourself? Or maybe just somebody in your upbringing that steered you towards hard rock and heavy metal? No, man. We, you know, my parents were straight guineas off the boat, man. They really, you know, <laughs> we, we really, you know, me and my brothers really <laughs> surprised our parents. We were definitely the black sheep of the, you know, our cousins and everything. Uh, growing up all Guidos and Guidettes in the family. And we just, you know, me and my three, my two brothers were the, you know, the three that stuck out when we went to weddings or any family function, you know, long hair, beards, tattoos, you know, that was us and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, but, you know, we still got along with our family. They were all family. We just, you know, we, we were a little different from them. Got it. Okay, man. And um, so, well, well, so growing up in Queens, New York, uh, I'd imagine we're probably talking, what, late 70s, 80s, uh, when you come of age and get into music? Uh, I, I'll i be honest. Like, I got into, uh, you know, maybe in, like, around junior high school, I got into metal. And, uh, you know, it was just like I got into, like, I heard my uncle gave me a vinyl. It was like a mixed vinyl where it had, like, all classic rock and then you know i heard sabbath for the first time and i was just like yo what is this you know and that kind of got me in, you know kind of led me into metal and then um you know then i remember in high school one good friend of mine came and he had you know the old we didn't you know we didn't have youtube or not like that came up with his walkman with his cassette walkman with those big orange you know headphones I'm like what are you listening to he's telling me this band obituary it's like obituary like, let me hear this i put it on i was like holy shit this is what I want to play now. And that's, you know, that's kind of what got me into death metal from there. Okay. And, you know, you say um, off the boat, Italian family, was there a little bit of a backlash towards heavy metal in, in, in general, like a rock and roll in general, conservative uh, outlook? Was it that type of thing or? Yeah, of course. Man. You know, like we, you know, my parents didn't even know what, you know, rock was nothing like that i mean they grew up in Thai music and the only closest thing we had was like frank sinatra in the house you know it was americanized okay oh so so when do you get your first guitar well that's that's what i was getting at like i started in junior high school i just you know kind of heard of you know i got into metal i mean i'll be honest with you i mean i picked up a guitar and you know within like a less than a year i was that's you know, like everyone I was talking, I was actually we were just talking about that. I, mean, I was talking with my old bass, you know, well, well, the bass player now. Like, uh, I literally just picked up a guitar, and like a year later, and I was in the studio recording stuff that I, I was, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even consider myself a guitar player. Yet. I just, go, you know, I caught on quick, but you know, maybe a little too early. You know, I went in there a lot of stuff. I wish, you know, you didn't know much when you were a kid. You didn't have, you know, like you know, we were talking before, no YouTube, no, you had to learn by yourself, and you know, I didn't even know how to tune a guitar until like three months into having a guitar and shit, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of a lot more access nowadays um, to information yeah. for sure, man. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. when you, so, so when you start playing guitar, like, are there bands that you're in that maybe play out uh, and write original music that predate Immortal Suffering? I see you're credited with, with something called Acid Crypt in Metal Archives. Yeah, that, that's like a, that was pretty much uh, during COVID. Okay. Being, uh, was actually right. the guy the guy who owns the studio where uh where we actually you know was actually the first actually immortal practice ever happened and it was in his studio and uh 
just a good friend of mine for many years and we just got together just yeah, it was kind of like a stoner type messing around stuff just you know just to kill time it was because nothing else to do oh okay all right so i'm I'm mistaken i thought that might have been an older thing so so and you mentioned immortal no. Suff- immortal suffering's first demo which is 1994 predating that were you were you playing in bands that um that played out and played shows or anything or was immortal like the first uh quote-unquote real band for me yeah for you yeah that was, like i said i mean i literally picked up a guitar and i was a Within a year later, we started Immortal. I mean, I met, you know, Woodstock, you know, passed away, uh, the original drummer. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, we started jamming in my friend's attic, you know, just, like I said, we, I didn't know what we was doing. I mean, we didn't <laughs> even know how to guitars. It was just, you know, we were just young and just just jamming. And then next thing you know, we were a band, you know. And then, like, a, within like a year, we started, to, you know, we put together Ray Kane. We met Ray. And then uh, we had the original guitar player, Dave, you know. Stood for four piece a while. I sang, Ray sang, and and you know, just kind of that's how it started. Pretty much, it was kind of quick. Yeah, and and um, yeah, I remember Dave Z went on to be in Dehumanized for a while. Um, yeah. and yes, so the the original lineup. Then you guys record that ninety four demo. Rest in peace, like you said, to your original drummer Woodstock. Um, at that point, do you guys start playing shows right away? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as we hit, you know, as soon as we got, you know, the all four members, you know, we kind of, you know, we kind of clicked pretty, you know, like we had a lot more time back then. Like, you know, like, you know, we were writing songs, like, you know, one a song a week and just, like I said, it was quick when we were young. Uh, uh, like just like we wrote a song a week, you know, we went down to the studio, we practiced, got it down and next week we got another song down and we were ready to go, you know? Tell tell me about like your first. I mean, do you do do you remember your first show and your first couple of shows? Like, what was the the local scene and the and the the first couple of shows like for Mortal Suffering, getting your feet wet, and like maybe take me and the listeners to what New York City was like back then when you were playing shows. What were the big bands and what were the venues? Well, well, we definitely our first show we ever played was actually a really good show. It was actually a dive bar in my neighborhood, and uh, it was called Cheers. And you know, we it was just. I can't, I'll be honest, man. I know one band was called Metastasis. I don't know, you know, like, I don't even know where half these people are, but, and I, I can't remember the other band. It was three bands, and it was, for our first show, it was like, wow, I thought it was going to be, you know, you, you, it was actually like a lot of people. That I'm like, wow, this is going to be like this every show, but it didn't turn out like that every show, but it, you know, it was a good time. The place was packed. Everybody was dancing, having a good time. And, uh, you know, we went on to, we started playing like, you know, I don't know, like the Raw back there. That was a big place for us to play, Castle Heights. Uh, you know, so many, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of places to play in New York and Queens back then. You know, now I don't even think there is a place to play in Queens right now. I know there was Black Dawn, but that closed down. And uh, you know, pretty much like Castle Heights is the spot where we, you know, like Dehumanized was big at the time for Fallen Christ, uh, Candiria. We played a lot with Death Wound. Trying to, you know, those, those were like the local bands we used to play with a lot. Legacy was coming up too. Oh, okay, let uh, me, if I could stop you, you mentioned, for, we just talked about Fallen Christ um, on, a, on a, a previous episode of the podcast, and I did they play with corpse paint or armor or anything of that nature ever that you remember? No, I don't remember the corpse paint. I mean, they uh, they, they did have like a leather and spike, you know, going on. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, you know, not, I don't, I, unless I can't remember, man, but I don't remember the It's been a while. Paint, no. 
been been yeah. a while, man. Yeah, and, and uh, are you talking about Candiria back when they were more of a death metal t- uh, style band? Yeah, yeah, it was just you know it was uh, before they you know they started, but you know we we played with them for a while too. I mean, we the whole time we were together, we played with them. We saw them changing into the new sound too. You know, when they got into more that hardcore jazz, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. They were, I, they were always fun to play with. I I can imagine, especially back in the day, man. There's something. Um, well, would you say that there's something about Queens, uh, where where the, the music always comes out a little bit different, um, that, than maybe other parts of New York City? That Queens has its own sound in a way. I think so. I mean, I I honestly do. I mean, I I you know I don't want to sound bad. I don't you know we do get compared to a lot of Long Island bands, and I don't feel like we sound like them and. I don't know how we always get put into that category, man. It's like it's always, you know, with these other Long Island bands, and I mean, I always try to not sound like that, you know, just to mm. sound different. And somehow we, I guess, people just think New York is New York, but that's you know, Long Island's their own part, and you know, Queens is their own side, you know. Well, there, there's the, the the big three, we'll say, of Long Island that we all know and and revere, but in a way, a lot of bands in generations since and from other parts of New York have kind of gotten pigeon like, like pigeonholed under that umbrella in the press and things yeah. like that. You know what I mean? So, um, well, but speaking of that, of immortal suffering standing out, something I did want to talk about is in the early days, um, there was a, there was a long period of the band where you guys had two singers. If I got it right, the first two demos, it was just Ray Lebron, who you mentioned before. And then you guys bring in Ralph Spadafora between that and the recording of, uh, images of horror, right? Yeah, well, the first two demos was me and Ray singing. I was playing guitar and singing, yeah, and Ray was playing yeah. bass and singing mm-hmm. on the first two demos. And then uh, Ralph and uh, they, they had another band. There was there was a band, God forbid, before uh, before the actual you know the, the other God forbid. There was you know that's Ralph Ray. Ray actually played drums in that band. It was all people we know. Tony that uh, Caravelli, he was actually the original. You know, he played on the Summer Mockery Pyrexia album. And, you know, Tony was actually not banned too for a little bit, but same thing. He had like that very long island sound playing. And I just, you know, like I was, like I said, I always didn't want to sound like that. I, you know, it didn't work out because he wore up. Whenever he would show me this, I'm like, ah, that has that long island feel to it. You know, like <laughs> I, I never wanted to, I didn't want to have that. You know, we wanted to have our own thing going on here. And, uh, and you know, like I said, still one of my best friends. I was the best man at his wedding. It's just like we we never could we could never be in a band together for that reason. We just couldn't like uh, agree on writing stuff together. And uh, so after you know after Dave left, I I started experimenting with down tuning, and Dave was like a very he didn't he didn't like the idea of going down tune. He just didn't like that sound. And you know he parted, but in a good way too. I understood. You know I'm not going to force nobody to do something what they didn't want to do. And uh, you know that's when I I'll be honest. I mean I was you know like this, I bought myself a seven string. I liked the sound and. He was just more into six strings, and you know, he, he that was a sound. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't. I don't explain. He just didn't like that whole down tuning. So, you know, that's when he went. You know, he he joined Dehumanize, and then we tried to convert to two bands, us and God forbid. And that's when Tony came in a band. It, you know, same thing. If it didn't work out, so he kind of he left. So we we just did, we took Ralph as a singer, and you know, we had Ray and Ralph. You know, so then Ray got off bass, and. Um, who, uh, I think that kid Sasha filled it. You know, he came in. He was on the images of horror. Sasha, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to put this all together, man. It's like, you know, it's like a big blur, man. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the IRS, man. It's okay. Yeah, uh, no, I but, mean, for myself, I'm like, wait, yeah. what, what came first? Who came last? You know, it's, it's just like... Uh, it's a lot, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like after after the internal damnation, we kind of, you know, we kind of took like a a big like, you know, we changed everything. I mean, I, I'll be honest, like I I was actually starting to learn how to actually play guitar now. <laughs> it wasn't just like, you know, you know, that was like the whole the two first two demos was like learning stages for me. Like uh, a lot of things, like uh, you know, recording. We found out a lot when we went to record the the second demo, internal damnation. I never recorded mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, uh, just it was you know we didn't have a click track. It was just me and the drummer went in there, and it was like you don't get that full feeling of playing with a full band. So it was like, kind of like, you know, to me, I felt like that whole demo was recorded really slow, but people like it. They called it like a, you know, they called it like doom one. I was like, that wasn't what we were looking for. It just <laughs> happened to come out like that, you know, just because, you know, we never did this before. So. Right. Right, man. So, so there's, there's a few key elements there. There's the down tuning. There's a little bit of maybe unintended slowness. Um, but you know, with the groove, it, it, it kind of goes and, and, and then also in the early days, you guys used to do a lot with the gore on stage. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't well, know. If we, you, go ahead. Yeah. We tried bringing it back. I'll be honest with you. Know, like when we start and the, when our first show back, we did the we did the New York Death Fest of the 2013, and we brought all the gore with us. And the, you know, the guy at the door was like, "That's not coming in here." I'm like, "What Ooh. do you mean?" That's part of our show. He's like, "No, we don't allow that." You know, and we tried a couple places, and Ooh. they wouldn't let it. And then we were like, "You know what? Together now." You know, we that was like a, like you said, that was a big part of us on stage. It was you know, we used to throw animal parts to people. You bring you bring an animal part up, you get a free CD and shit like that, <laughs> and like. Yeah, you know, yeah, but you know, now today, I mean, it's a lot different. I mean, you, yeah. well, we, we went to Brooklyn our first show, and you got all these vegans and people looking at us. It's like, no, you're not coming in here with these animal parts and shit thrown around. It. So we were oh like, I forget about that idea. So that didn't work. So we just, you know, we like, yeah, okay, the past now. So it's a new band, you know. Fair enough. Now, back in the day. Uh, I I got no. I got to ask, and if you don't want to give away your secrets, fair enough. But where where did these animal parts come from? You know, like I, I when were there any like <laughs> well, uh, incidents? My father was a you know? <laughs> 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 yeah, my father used to bring Shit. stuff home, and we used to you know run this, uh, you know the meat market, grab you know, grab shit, and before we went there, and, you know, a couple of times we would forget the animal parts in the studio, and we'd come in a week later and it would just smell like like death in the room. We were like, we couldn't even practice. We would get in there just to air out the place and go home. Wow. I, I can only imagine, man. I mean, you know, it, uh, say what you want. It worked for Watain there at the top. Yeah. You know, yeah. jeez. Well, that was, that was mostly Ralphie's thing. Ralphie brought that part of, you know, like he brought that whole, uh, that whole horror, you know, animal stage present things with us where, you know, before Ralph was in the band, we did you know, we were just, you know, we we never you know <laughs> it was just two singers and you know the guitar playing a bass player. You know, and now it's yeah you know, he brought that whole image with him. You know? Wow. Okay. So for straight from the Italian butcher, man, that's wild. Um, yeah. I got. No, I got. I got. Well, ask- he said. He said they were animal parts. So that's <laughs> what he was going with. <laughs> Allegedly. So um, yeah. I, another story I heard was back in the day somebody from the band had to take spikes out of their boot to get into the New Jersey death fest in the nineties. Is that, is that an allegedly, as you remember that? Or I don't know. That's gotta be to be Ralph. Ralph was big with that stuff. I mean, I, it could happen. I mean, like, I mean, I, I'll be, you know, I'm seeing stuff now that, you know, like yeah, I had this, uh, this kid from the Bronx, he sent me all these videos and I'm watching this, like interviews. I'm like, I have no record of 
you know, remembrance of doing any of this <laughs> stuff. I'm like, you know, like a lot of this stuff, it's, you know, it's a blur, man. We didn't, it's hard to remember all that stuff. But yeah, but that, that sounds like something with Ralph, you know, that would happen to Ralph. Well, what's interesting is this is all within three or four years of you picking up a guitar, right? Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So within, we'll, within like two years, I picked up a guitar. You know, the first demo was out. You know. So the '90s were a different animal altogether. Uh, well, for the vegan listeners, we'll chalk it up to youth. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, 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 nowadays, it's a whole different climate. So. Images of heart. Did you guys uh, ever play with In Satanity, or did you, did you know them before the split, or was that something the label yeah. set up? Yeah, we played with. Uh, well, we actually played with after the CD. We had. I, I I don't think we played them before the the split came out. I think once the split came out, we did a couple shows together. And uh, I know uh, we were trying a couple years ago to try to get like uh, I think it was after during the when we first came back around again, we were trying to set something up to you know to kind of bring the two bands back together for another show and it just something happened. We just couldn't get that going. And, but I haven't heard, I don't, like I said, I don't, I haven't heard from them or played with them since, you know, the nineties. So they've been through quite a, I know they're around now in some incarnation, but, um, uh, very different from the nineties. Uh, now I think, you know, they're, they, those guys, it's one of those bands that's been through a, a very sporadic lineup changes and that sort of thing through the years. But, um, uh, and uh, so, after that, I mean, I remember you guys playing out and things like that. But the, does the band like break up, or what? What would you call it, a hiatus or something? Um, the rate, you know, and and was what year was it? Was like ninety eight, ninety nine. It was, uh, I would say, maybe early ninety nine. Okay, yeah, we did. We were like, you know, we were actually we're actually longer now after reunion than we were back in the day. I mean, it was a short run. It was the first time around. I mean, we were ninety four. We put out a demo ninety. You know, it was ninety nine. We were. We kind of got it, you know, kind of hated each other. I hate to say, use that <laughs> word, but we all got on each other's nerves and it was just kind of like, hey, fuck, this is not fun no more, you know? These things happen, especially you know, like, when you're younger, you know? Well, you know, it was like none of us really had jobs and, you know, nobody had, you know, it was coming out to, you know, I hate to say, but it always comes down to money where it's like, you know, where, you know, unfortunately you played death metal, there's, you know, <laughs> you're never gonna. You're lucky if you break even, you know. So it's just, yeah. You know that was that was the thing back then. You know, it was just getting it was getting to a point where it was getting expensive, and it was just it wasn't fun no more. And I just, you know, I just got a, I just had my first kid, and I was, I was like, I can't be you know, throwing money into this, and I got my kid at home, you know. Got yeah, got it. I completely understood. Uh, as we get older, you know, we all we all experience that within our families and within our different bands and you know lineup changes and all that sort of thing. Um. It, now, prior to Immortals, prior to that, I mean, you obviously mentioned you're starting a young family. That's part of the reason why you can't be in a band. Do you continue to play guitar? Do you ever have a, a band, anything people might have heard of or anything in that time period? Or was that just a total break for you? Well, we know what it was. It wasn't, you know, when I, when we, back then when we broke up, it wasn't like I was just, you know, it wasn't like I'm done playing guitar. It was just, like I said, it was just, that wasn't fun no more at the time. It was just became like where, uh, like, you know, I hate to use the word, but almost like almost the point where you just like, you couldn't take these guys no more, you know, like where it was just, you know, they're your brothers, you know, it's almost like hating your, you know, get into a fight with your brother, even though you still love them, you just hate them at the same time, you know, where, you know, you just needed a break from these guys. And they, I was, uh, you know, I played for a little while. My brothers were in a hardcore band and, you know, and my, uh, my cousins, you know, my uncle passed away and my cousin was in the band too. And they asked me to fill in for them for a while. 
So uh, I did one show with them. It was actually, you know, I got to say, one of probably the best hardcore shows I've ever played or been at. You know, it was a stack lineup. And then from, you know, from there, we started a band Toll Tag for a little while. It was pretty much a restraint. And me and, like, uh, that kid Tony, the one, you know, we, we started, like, a hardcore, like a, you know, beat-down hardcore band, I guess, you know, and it was, didn't last long either. I mean, a couple of years, and then, you know, then you deal with your actual family. <laughs> it's even worse than dealing with people that you call family and shit, you know? So, would you, I'm sorry, would you mind saying the name of the band that your your brothers were in? My brothers were in Restrain. Restrain. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, I'm looking it up now. That's a band that was active in the '90s. Are they still around? Or no, no, they were they were almost around the same time. There, you know, with that because like like around like towards the end there, they kind of you know. My uncle passed away in '99, and I was already out of Immortal, and they they were pretty much played their last show when my uncle passed away because my cousin couldn't do, and I filled in for them. So it was kind of like a family band. Yeah, it was my my two brothers. Uh, my brother Andrew sang. My brother Ralph played guitar. My cousin Ralph was the second guitar player, and uh, my cousin Basil was on drums. and And I, you probably remember this name, but Rich Tumbro was playing bass from you know you all know his original singers, Repudiation. Wow! Wow! Okay, yeah. that's 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 a deep cut right there, man. Um, <laughs> that that's that's interesting. I got to look up Restraint too, man. Um, uh, wow, I didn't think I was going to hear the, the reputation, man. We're talking about Long Island death metal, man. Shout out to all the 90s bands. So, uh, yeah, Rich is a good guy. I still, I still see him all the time. We still go to shows together. I mean, mm. very, you know, one, one close friend of mine. Wow, okay. So shout out to him, man. Um, that's like a, that's a true OG. I, <laughs> I mean, it's funny because the guy still goes to shows. He's aware of the scene. To see all the bands nowadays worldwide that acknowledge reputation. Uh, for yeah. guttural slam on the internet is really interesting to me. Uh, I, you know, well deserved, obviously, man. But I, so, a band that was obscure for so long, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they changed a lot of what we hear today, man. Music. I mean, a lot of, you know, they don't get the respect they deserve in that Long Island sound. You know, they had, they were, you know, they were probably one of my favorites out there. And uh, like, I, I know, like, we just, you know, we just came from Texas, and I saw this kid wearing a repudiation hoodie. I was like, dude, I got to take a picture of your hoodie. And I sent it to Rich. And he was just like, are you kidding me? Because a couple months ago, we were, we we played the South Dakota Death Fest. Same thing. I saw a guy wearing a fucking T-shirt. I was like, yo, dude, I got to take a picture. So I sent it to my boy, Rich. And Rich is like, yo, what the fuck is going on? I didn't even know nobody, anybody still listens to this, you know? It's all coming back now, man. Um, so well, so on that note of, of death metal and New York death metal coming back and bands kind of finding uh, uh, finding a little bit of notoriety again with the younger generation, I see, if I got it right, in 2013, we hear from Mortal Suffering again in the form of the reissue of all that material, right? Yes. Well, well what's the... Insp- put it- yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to know like, how that happened. You're talking about the... You're talking about the compilation? Yeah, the, the compilation. After all those years, what what, what prompts that? Well, what uh, what happened was uh, uh, pathological record, I, think was, uh, I can never pronounce it, but you know, he hit us up and he was, you know, he was telling us that he wanted to put, re, you know, release our demos and our split, you know, onto one CD. And we were like, you know, people still listen to this. <laughs> we didn't know. Man. Like I, said, I, I was like one of the last people to get on, I'll be onto social media. I don't know the guys in group. And, you know, like, I was talking to, uh, you know, like, Ralph would tell me, I'm like, yo, man, fucking, you know, 
a lot of people still talk about us because they, you know, they put uh, somebody started in a page up for us. And, you know, we're still noticing all these people like, you know, on it, commenting on it. And I'm like, wow, people still, you know, people are listening. You know, we didn't know this. We just thought we kind of came and left. You know, nobody, you know, we'd be forgotten. And then you know, we got in touch with the guy who had the page and we were like, you know, who's running it. And it was actually the same guy I was telling you earlier, who, you know, he's, he was in the Bronx. He, he's the same, you know, he gave us all this big fan of ours, had all this rare stuff that I didn't even know existed, you know, demos, not demos, uh, live recordings, interviews, all this crazy shit. And I'm like, where the fuck you get all this stuff from, man? And, uh, you know, he, he was running the page for us. And, you know, and then we told him, like, yo, we were thinking about starting a band back up. And, you know, he's really cool. He gave us all the info. He's like, yo, make it work, you know? That's all he asked. Wow. Um, and so so that was kind of, once you see there's a little bit of interest, it, it kind of sparked you guys talking about getting the band back together? Yeah, well, me and a couple friends of mine, we took a trip to uh, Chicago and uh, uh, we, we were baseball fans. We were going, to, you know, we went to Chicago a couple of games. We went to Chicago and then we ended up in Milwaukee. And then when I was in Milwaukee, <laughs> I hit up Ray. You know, I was like, I was like, yo, Ray, I'm in town. Let's, you know, let's go get a beer somewhere. So after we, you know, we caught a game and I met up with Ray after. And we're sitting in the bar. And I was talking, right? I'm like, yo, right, man. A lot of people are asking, you want, you want to start this back up again? And you know, he was the biggest question mark because he lived out in Milwaukee. I was like, yo, you know, and he was just like, yeah, I'm down. You know, I was like, I come down, you know, for shows, because you know, the demo, uh, the, the split stuff and the demo stuff. He, you know, he knows. But when it came to writing new music, that was the only part that was like a little tough, man, because he, you know, he had a family out there. It wasn't just like, yeah, I could just leave Milwaukee, come back to New York whenever you want. And, so we were, you know, the power of the internet, we were able to record some songs and send it to him through the internet. You know, he, he'll write stuff, send it back to us. And that's how we kind of wrote a couple of, you know, most of the new stuff that, you know, from from then on, from this year on, well, 2013 on, I should say. Well, yeah, and, and you guys, we were, you were able to record, uh, like, two full-length albums with him, right? Yeah. yeah. And he did something on on the new single, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, he was doing, yeah, you know, he was doing back, uh, not backup, but he was doing, he, he didn't, like you said, he was just, uh, he was getting a little caught up in life, and he didn't have time to really put him, put all into it, yeah. and uh, he, so he did, you know, he just did some, I, don't, I hate to use that word backup part, but he just kind of did some, you know, filling parts, I would say, you know, just to, just, you know, just to have him on it, because, you, yes, yeah. you know, the benefit of doubt, you know, he was in the band for how many years, you know. It's respectable, obviously, yeah. Um, and and be, I did before we get too ahead of ourselves. When you guys come back um, to the death metal scene, I mean, you notice that was that was obviously in the early teens, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Uh, Asylum comes out in two thousand fifteen. At that point, you must see that the death metal scene is brewing, kind of a resurgence, and there's a lot of younger people. There's people coming out to shows and that sort of thing like that. What well, I mean, what. What was it like for you guys? And did you 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 were able to get out of state and play some fests or two, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, we our first, you know, when we first came back, you know, it was that Gutters uh, New York that fest, two thousand thirteen. It was right. And you know, I'll be honest, like I was kind of out of the scene too. I mean, to get back into it, and you saw, you know, even though you got a lot of new faces, all the old faces just felt like you never left in a weird way. Like you, you haven't seen space people in so long, but yet you'd known them forever. You know, it feels like, you know, it was just kind of like, uh, like almost like an old family reunion, you know, bumping into old friends again, all, you know, it was just like kind of, you know, welcome to, it was, you know, like it's almost like they always welcome you back on end, you know, no matter what yeah. happens. And, uh, 
yeah, so it was just like it was fun. And then, like, it's, you know, it was, it was nervous playing that first show. I'm not going to lie. I mean, <laughs> we haven't played in, you know, you know, how many years. And then we were, you know, I still felt like we were a little rusty because we kind of rushed it to play, you know, because Gutter actually asked us to, you know, you know, when he, you know, he, he heard when that we got back together and he's like, you know, you want to play the music? And I was like, wow, it's only like a couple months. Are we going to be ready? And I was just, you know, we, we did it. We practiced, you know, we, uh, like I said, we had a lot of lot of a lot of dust and you know knock off, but we it was still still nervous, but we got it done. Hell yeah, man! Um, and uh, as I said, with that lineup, you guys were able to record uh, the 2015 full length Asylum. Now coming back all these years later and being able to write new material um, as a guitarist. What like were there certain things you wanted to change, certain things you wanted to go for that you hadn't really developed earlier in the day? Like describe the songwriting process and kind of what you get out of it as a um you know as a older musician nowadays and 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 coming back into that first album back. We uh most of the stuff I you know like usually I'll just you know I'll be at home come up with something and just you know bring you know bring it down to the studio and let everybody hear you know just take it from there like kind of like you know we'll, <laughs> like i you know anybody can play in the band they they hate when i write music because i'll we'll write a whole song and next week i will change the whole song they'll think they have it and then we'll come back i'll i'll change it again i'll i'll i won't you know i'll keep doing it until i feel pretty you know until i'm until i'm happy with it and these guys because you know, like they still do that now they actually made a meme about me with my drama saying <laughs> you know like oh uh, you know we about writing the songs and you know it shows my drama rookie going uh, he's gonna change this whole thing next week anyway, <laughs> Shit like that. But uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff like we went in you know, a couple parts and like you know, on, on Asylum. I know one part in uh, that song Saint Fuck, we actually wrote in the studio because I felt like we needed a part in it. That, you know, that it just kept missing, and then we wrote it in the studio. And they're like, "You, you kidding me? Right now, you're gonna fucking write a new part and shit like that?" But you know, it's just <laughs> that—that's the shit they deal with. We're dealing with me. I just fucking dumped shit on people in the last minute. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about the creative process, something also that I wanted to talk to you about was, uh, I know you did vocals on the first two demos. Um, I don't know how much lyrical input you've had over the years, but I wanted to get into kind of like, are you a fan of horror movies or maybe some other... I'm a big horror fan. There we go. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, just quickly, maybe if you want to take me through, uh, you know, like some of your favorite or some of like the more remarkable ones to you as a kid that you'll always remember that made a big impact on you that maybe you, in some way influenced the band or the atmosphere you want to create with the band too. I don't know if, if you want to go there. Yeah, sure. I mean, like when we, when uh, the first couple of demos, uh, I only wrote maybe two songs on their lyrics and you, you read the lyrics you don't know exactly which two they are <laughs> and uh and you know uh ralph our singer you know like we knew them you know the, I, we knew him all when we were the, during the demo stages too but he just he wasn't in the band his brother joe helped us writing a lot you know a couple of lyrics too and and you know it was kind of like i said we were young there was a lot of stuff like you know they were writing a lot of uh uh like satanic songs and i was never a big you know fan of that like, you know, that's why a lot of people, you know, they ask, oh, how come you don't play these songs? Because I was like, it was never really us. You know, it was never really me, actually. Like, I didn't feel like, uh, you know, like that was our style. I never wanted to go that style. Me, give me the horror, give me the murder, you know, the true crime stuff. I like, you know, you know that kind of stuff. And it was just, you know, that's why a lot of these songs when people are like, oh, how come you guys don't play Jesus Lied no more? I'm like, you know, we don't, we, I, you know, that was never us. It's just, 
like I said, it was just a young stage of writing and where, you know, where most bands, you know, most kids would probably start a different band. We just kept going with that band and then just kind of always kept that, you know, the stuff there. And, but I was more of, like you said, a horror guy. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, the original was just 1974, the shit that, you know, you're watching on TV, man. That was just insane compared to what, you know, I was, yeah, I was born, but I'm just saying when I finally seen it, there was nothing like that on, you know, in the movies or on TV. And, and even today, I just feel like it was just so ahead of its time. And, you know, people try to copy, but nobody's going to come close to the original. I mean, there was, you know, all the deads, the originals, you know, the Return of the Living Dead, the, the live, you know, the yeah. Night of the Living Dead, and, you know, all those, you know, George Romero movies were just classics. I mean, they just can never be, can never be copied, you know? Hundred percent, man. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the the um the oldies too, man. And you, you you said true crime. A question I wanted to ask you. I don't want to jump around too much, but um, while we're on the topic of what goes into the lyrics, uh, your new single from 2022, "Conceived in a Crack House." Um, it's yeah. a prov- it's a provocative title, one that one that reflects old school New York City in in certain ways. I wanted to ask you, exactly. be, from your generation. <laughs> Do you remember as a kid when crack hit New York City? Oh yeah, I was born in the seventies and the eighties. I was, you know, I was old enough to know what was going on around me. I mean, it was big difference, man. You know, people don't really. You know, a lot of these young kids. You know, a lot of young bands come in and they see Times Square down there, like, oh, it's so nice. I'm like, just see what it was in the eighties and early nineties. That was a fucking, you know, that was nice. (laughs) It's like now these kids, you know, like you can't, you know, do. You can't, you know, you can't even explain to these kids that don't understand what it was like back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, people, people from the time will talk about how, uh, the, you know, the the crack epidemic back then just kind of swept through, uh, and changed whole neighborhoods in New York City. Oh yeah, I mean, we practice in Brooklyn. I mean, we're, you know, we're in Bushwick, man. You moved in the eighties in Bushwick. You wasn't coming out of there alive, man. You went in there for two reasons only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you know like you just like uh you know i'll be honest i worked there. i worked there now my first job when i first got in there, i haven't been there in years and i'm like you know like what the fuck you know i'm gonna be working in bushwick man i'm let me i'm getting my knife ready you still take that to go to work every morning and first day on the job i go over there see these fucking half naked white girls running around and i'm like all right bushwick changed a lot <laughs> shit like that <laughs> it's not like what it used to be and shit you know but you know, the whole the whole Brooklyn's changed. I mean, there's maybe a small areas where it's still pretty shitty, but for the most part, it's not what it was. You know. Yeah. Um. My my father. Uh. From he was well. He my father retired from local three, and and part of his job was uh driving a truck to different job sites all over New York City, uh, mainly in in the eighties and nineties. So. When I would tell him, oh, I'm going out to, to Bushwick, we're playing a show, we're going out to Brooklyn, we're playing a show or whatever, I would describe to him, like, that, the you know, the area I'm going to, and he would, like, he would have a similar reaction, you know what I'm saying? Like, not yeah. realizing, you know, everything's kind of changed since back in the day. But, yeah, yeah, um, uh, my father's told me some stories about having to, having to deal with, you know, job sites, uh, getting robbed back in the day in the 80s and all sorts of crazy shit that went on. Um, but, but that's, uh, that, that's, that's, uh, for another time, man. Um, I just wanted to ask, ask you about that. Be- well, do, is that kind of the inspiration for, for the lyrics to that song and for that song title? I mean, is that fair yeah, to say? Yeah, pretty it's- much. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's what we were going for more, you know, like, uh, you know, he was asking, you know, he was wondering, uh, Jordan, you know, he wrote the lyrics to that and he was telling me, you know, like what we were looking for. I'm like, let's keep it, you know, dark in New York, you know, that's us, you know, and then a lot of people don't, you know, like, uh, like we were saying, like, you know, crack was a big thing in New York, man. You know, it was, it was a, it, it fucked up a lot of people, man. You know, everybody laughs, you know, everybody thinks it's a joke, but you know, it's, you know, when they first hear the name, but you know, it's pretty, it's a dark, you know, it's a dark subject that people, you know, that don't realize, you know, that it, it, it fucked up a lot of, you know, a lot of kids and shit. Yeah, the, the term crackhead and crack has kind of been reduced to a, a slang for a generalized slang nowadays. People don't doesn't have the same gravity, I don't think, as used people don't realize, man. Um, but you said something there, dark in New York. I mean, is it fair to say that Immortal Suffering? You see, you know, you say obviously there's certain songs you don't play anymore, but the songs that you do keep from the old days. Is it and you know the the idea of true crime? Is it fair to say that dark in New York has always been a thing for immortal suffering, and that in a lot of ways immortal suffering's lyrics are more realistic than some other death yeah. metal bands? Yeah, of course. I mean, like Ralph, like Ralph had a lot to do with that. Me and him used to, uh, uh, you know, when we were writing stuff for Images of Horror, I told him like, yo, you know, like don't, you know, I don't want to be based on satanic. Like he would write stuff, but more like, uh, you know, it was more horror. Like even if he wrote something satanic, it was more kind of like. Uh, fuck you type thing, but not like, you know, uh, you know, not like Hail Satan, you know, and shit like that. But, you know, it was just more like, you know, the religious part about, you know, the priests do these kids and that's what, you know, yeah. that's like, the, like I said, the true crime of, uh, you know, war, all the, all the shit that really happens that, you know, that people don't want to talk about, but it's there, you know? If you, if you read the newspaper and follow news for long enough, you'll see anything that's really played out and the gore lyrics actually does happen. From time to time, yep. you know, even out here in the suburbs, in the city, wherever, man, uh, and you could you could write all sorts of disgusting, the, the probably more dis- disturbing death metal albums based on real realistic events than anything you could think of. Sometimes, um, of uh, sometimes those stories don't always make it to the news. But uh, regardless, man, pushing on about immortal suffering, um, uh, preyed upon, two thousand nineteen. Uh, it's, um, a bit of a change, I guess, after that, that's the last album with Ralph Spadafore and Ray Lebron on vocals, right? Yes. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I guess going into that album, was it like, did you know that these guys, was everyone like aware we're parting ways or is it something that kind of gradually broke away after the album? No, I mean, I mean, I'd be straight out honest with you. Like we were, it was, uh, when we were in the studio, like me, Leo and uh, uh, you know, Randall were the drum. You know, he's a drummer. We were in the studio every Friday. You know, usually we practice Friday night, and we were there every Friday. And it was getting to, you know, we were writing music, and it's just like, you know, Ralph just got his uh, job promotion. He was so busy at work, and we had all these songs but no vocals. We, you know, we actually had the album down with no vocals, and which you know, kind of was like the the worst way to write music because. You know, after you start hearing vocals, you start hearing the songs different. You know, like fuck. You know, now I now want to change these whole songs again, but it's too late. And it was getting to the point. You know, like I, you know, you don't want to be a dick, but we almost booked studio to almost like you know push these guys like, yo, we're not fucking around. We got to get this shit done. You know, like we, you know, we we're busting our asses here, and I know you guys got other stuff going on in life, but so do we. But we're still doing what we want to do. You know, what we like doing because you know we love doing it. And we booked studio. You know, we booked the studio. And we still went in there hearing no vocals. I mean, you know, maybe a couple parts here and there. And then, you know, I mean, you know, we record all the music. And then then there was that big pause of 
no vocals. You know, they were going to write and stuff. We had a, uh, they were actually trying to write vocals in the studio while we were paying for it. And I was just kind of like, I like, you know, we're going to have to put a stop to this. I told us, you know, the guy recording us, Colin, he was just like, Colin, we're not ready to do this right now. That's going to cause us a normal leg doing it this way, you know? So we went back and you know, Ralph had a couple free weekends and uh, we recorded the vocals in our studio and brought it down. And then, you know, we kind of mixed them ourselves. And then when we were ready, we gave them all to Colin, all the vocals, and he put them into the, the recording to, you know, kind of put every, you know, he worked his match, put it all together somehow. And, you know, it was a horrible way of doing it, but, you know, it, it you know, still came out, you know, came out good, but I just wish we could have did it better, you know? Okay, man. Well, we appreciate you being uh, uh, frank about it. Um, and, uh, I guess so after that, it's kind of like uh, push comes to shove. Like, uh, obviously, uh, people have different um, aspirations. Uh, you know, people are on different paths in terms of what they want to do with their life. Do they want to be in the band and commit to the band? Or, you know, do they have obligations elsewhere, I guess you could say? Yeah, I notice so the older you get, the more you're like, you know, I can't be wasting time. You know, like, you know, there's only so much time you got. And huh. I'm not going to waste whatever I have left you know, waiting on people that not sure what they want to do, you know, like, you know, like they, it wasn't, you know, everybody in the band that, that did leave, nobody left on uh, on a bad note. And like, you know, it was kind of an agreement, like even with Ralph, you know, we bummed down and like, yo, Ralph, you sure we could do this? Because it's like, you know, like, you know, you, I understand that your life comes first. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. But I mean, if you can't do it, maybe step down from it. And, you know, and he did, you know, he told his game, he's like, give me two weeks to think about it. And he came back and he was like, like, yo, you know, you guys are right. I just, you know, I can't, it's just, I got too much on my plate right now. I understand. And then we have Ray in Milwaukee, who we see only when we played shows. And, then, you know, writing, you can't, you can't really write and stuff like that because he's never around. I mean, we don't see him, you know, whenever there was a show and he only, you know, he only, and not every show he came to because it got too expensive to come down every time we played. The, the long distance thing gets fickle, especially the older people get and they have their own families and jobs and stuff. I've been there, man. That's why I left before, because I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been in a lot of bands over the years, man, and, and projects and things like that. So uh, Jordan Fontana, I, I've been calling him Jordan Mamalu because that's, I guess, his, his nickname on stage or whatever. But, but <laughs> jo Jordan Fontana, let's give the man his respect. I think he's earned it by now. He, I originally remember him popping up in... Uh, um, uh, coronary thrombosis. Yes. Uh, a few years ago, and then I guess at one point he was in both bands, right? And then he made the decision to to dedicate uh, full time to immortal suffering. Yeah, well, that was like the, you know that's what we talking a little really quick earlier. Like when you know when we first, uh, it's actually like actually two years ago yesterday we actually went up to him and spoke to him about you know helping us out here because like I said because when Ralph left. And then, uh, you know, Ray, Ray was going to, you know, Ray wanted to be the only singer. And I'm like, I know Ray for a long time. I'm like, Ray's not going to be committed to playing every show, man. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, like if, if he lived in New York, yeah, maybe. But I was like, he's in, you know, he's in Milwaukee. There's, nothing's ever going to get done. I mean, he's out there writing. It's going to be the same thing like he did before, just writing music, not hearing vocals. And mm -hmm. so we actually, you know, we spoke to, you know, we, we spoke to Jordan. I'm like, yo, Jordan, would you, would you mind helping us out? You know, and then, you know, he worked out and he was just, you know, he was having, you know, he was having a blast with this. And, you know, so we made him a, you know, we made him a member. And then, and then eventually, like I said, Ray, we, him and Ray only played one show together. It was in, uh, where the hell were we in, uh, down south somewhere? 
Oh, Mississippi. We played we played a show in Mississippi together with them. And then, you know, after that show, Ray kind of was like, you know, yeah, he was honest. He was just like, Joe, that this is this is too much for me too. You know, I don't feel like he said too, he's like, I don't feel like I'm part of the band. I just feel like you come down there and sing. And I'm like, yeah, I understand, Ray, but like the door's always open for you whenever you want to come back. You know, because he was talking about maybe his daughter coming to school here, uh, doing college, and might be moving back. And I told him the door's always open if you want to come back in. I'm, you know, you're more than welcome to. You don't even need to to ask. You're in the band, and you know, he's, because we never really announced that he left the band. We yeah. just told him that he's taking a break from it. You know. Yeah, got it, man. So, um, yeah, the respect. I, I, I believe he popped up at some point in the band burial ritual from out there. I remember. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, he's told me about that, but I don't. I don't think I've ever heard anything or recording from it. Uh, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know. know what, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I remember him telling me about it, but I don't know whatever happened to it or if it even you know, came about. I don't. You know, it was like one of the things I heard about and just kind of never heard from it again. I uh, yeah, I'm, I can't say off the top of my head if he's on the albums, but that's yeah. They're they're a band that has a few albums. Uh, not a not a bad band at all. We we did a, like a special podcast about Wisconsin bands for our Patreon, and like I saw Ray Lebron's name pop up. It was like it was very random, but um, that's why I remember that. So, um, so Jordan Fontana is in coronary thrombosis. You ask him to fill in now because you don't have a vocalist. Eventually, uh, he gets pretty comfortable enough to take over the helm of the singer of Immortal Suffering. Around the same time, that's when you guys get uh, Taylor Shrank. On bass, yes, of- yeah. Well, that was a you know we we had our old bass play dots, and he you know he was the same, he was the same thing. Just been so busy with work, and he was going through uh you know family issues, and it was just you know just couldn't we couldn't you know just could never he could never make it out to practice, and it was just like I was telling you you know when you get to a certain age you know like well I'm not a kid no more, and I'm not gonna you know like I'm not you know back in the day you would just let a lot of things just slide, but now it's like you know what. I'm not, I can't have nobody holding me back right now, you know? You can't do it, then it's time to step down. That's the way I look at it, you know? 100%, man. Now, I see something. Uh, you you, you and I have a friend in common, Chris Basile of Pyrexia. Um, yeah. And I was fortunate enough to uh, fill in on vocals for, for Pyrexia on a few show, shows several years ago, and I got a chance. Yes, I thought of too. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Fair enough, man. Yeah, I I tried my best, man. It's not. You know, I'll I'll say this publicly for the podcast, man. Uh, salute to anyone who sings for Pyrexia because it's um. I tried my best, and I don't I don't know that it was uh uh the 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 I, if I'm the best guy for the job, I'll put it that way. But um, <laughs> regardless, yeah. Move, moving on though, my whole point being, I got to witness Chris Basile in action, how he manages the manages the band and runs the group. I'm sensing a similar attitude uh in you respectfully um you said you know when you get older you don't want to waste time you know now you're older you got the band moving again for a few years with the we'll say the classic lineup uh two albums in that's kind of the there's there's a wrench in the gears we'll say and now you're going up going out there uh with a reinvigorated lineup uh, several musicians that are from a younger generation than than yourself. So you see the parallel I'm I'm painting here, and I know you guys went on the road with Pyrexia, a band themselves yeah. who kind of Chris manages with a reinvigorated lineup himself over the years. Um, that's kind of the way death metal is nowadays, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I see you know, a lot of respect for Chris. I mean, the only thing Chris has that I don't have, he, 
he doesn't have a full time job on top of that. So he gets to manage it more musically. Where I don't, I'm, you know, like I'm not looking at this as a job. I'm just looking at it as I just still want to play music, but I don't want to be, you know, in that whole limbo of like, all right, if you're not going to show up, then I don't, you know, why be in a band for? Like, let's get people that are going to want to play. And like, so far, we do have a nice, you know, we do have a nice group right now. Like, everybody comes down. And like I said, we always had two vocals. And like, like I said, the reason we never filled that other, that other vocals part right now, because like I said, that door is always open for Ray. If Ray ever decides to come back, huh. I don't want to go through that option of taking somebody out, you know, because, you know, one guy dies, you know, because Ray's coming back, you know. So that's why it's like, we leave it like this. He's doing, you know, Jordan's doing a good job on his own. You know, and whatever happens, happens in the future. But, you know, like I said, who knows how much time you have left. So trying to enjoy as much as you can, you know, do what we can. And, you know, and we had also had, uh, this, uh, you know, we had another guitar player ju- who jumped on the road with us, uh, Jeremy. And, and, you know, he was a good kid, great guitar player. But, you know, unfortunately, like we were talking about before, like we played death metal. There's, you know, there's no, you're not making money, you know, like you're not making everything. So you're a band, you're making money. <laughs> no, you're not, man. You know, stuff like that. And, you know, he, he, you know, he, but that was the other problems we had with him. I mean, like, Money was an issue where, you know, like, you know, there's, even though, you know, whatever you're, you're getting paid for playing shows, there's a lot of expenses that go into, like, just traveling, gas, and all that, and whatever, you know, yeah. where they, I hate to say it, it comes out of your pocket, but, you know, like, if you love it, you're going to make it work. Because, you know, I, my point is, I'd rather play a show, you know, then, and then just sit home, do nothing, you know? Yeah, man, I, I always compare it to people who are on, like, a minor league sports team or something of that nature where you kind of have to pay your way, man, but you do it because it's what you love to do. There's a camaraderie and a sense of community to it. Uh, and for, for us who are, you know, recording albums and making music, you know, call it what you want, but for us, it's our legacy, you know, um, yeah, in, in a way. Um, so speaking of that, we're kind of all up to date with Immortal Suffering to nowadays. You guys... Um, uh, we were talking behind the scenes. I know what was the name, the proper name of that fest you guys played in Texas recently? Uh, deep in the heart of. Oh no, wait, I'm getting just confused now. There was two fest. Uh, what, what was that one called? Yeah, deep in the pit of Texas. I'm sorry. Deep, and, uh, deep in the. Yeah, I saw the. I saw the. Yeah, that's one. I wish I could have gone to. Man, um, uh, that that sounds really cool. And it seems like Texas. You were you were talking to me too about the repudiation thing. Seems like Texas has a real appreciation for New York death metal. Yeah, man, but they're, you know, some of these bands are coming out now. It's just, you know, there's just so, I mean, we played with Stabbing when we were in Dallas. And, mm-hmm. man, if you ever get to see them live, man, this is, I was just like, how are we following up with these young kids? Like, fucking so much energy and shit like that. Yeah, I was watching them on stage. I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> like that. They had, I mean, they, they're just like the new generation of fucking music right now. And then, you know, you got, you know, like, you, I'm standing on the side of the stage and watching this. So I'm like, Great. I'm fucking I'm gonna be almost fifty years old, fucking fat fuck coming up on stage after this <laughs> and shit like that. You know, but you know, it was just you know, it's just still funny. You still got the respect of playing with, with these kids, but you know, it just it's changing music and it's getting heavy now again, which is nice, you know. Well, all I'll say, man, is I um uh, I, I just turned 40 this year and I was watching uh, videos of, of the that show that we just recently played, man, and watching Jordan and then watching, shout to Tyler from Torturous Inception, man. I got to get some cardio. That's all I'm going to say, man. I got to keep up yeah. with these guys. 
Um, it's, yeah, man. <laughs> they, these these young, you know, it's 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 tough, man. As we get older, but we want to stay in the game, man. So. You know, and like you know, another. Um, I'm actually funny enough. I'm talking to Basile later. I I booked an interview with him, and he said uh, your singer Jordan might be on on the line too, man. So we'll see what pans out from that. The listeners will probably have to wait a week to hear that one. Um, okay. But speaking of Basile, uh, something he always brings up is I think I think Tre- I think Trevor from Obituary said this. I might be wrong on that, but Basile always lives by this quote. He says that somebody always says so. You know. Uh, you know what? Nobody ever asked BB King when he was gonna grow out of playing the blues. You know what I mean? No one ever asked Miles Davis when he was gonna grow out of playing jazz. You know, so why should we have yeah. to grow out of playing death metal? You know, um, yeah, sure. And and something I always say is, if I stopped at this point, it would be the that would be the midlife crisis is quitting the death metal band. Uh, you know yeah. what I you know what I mean, man? There's you know just it's, it's, it's the point it's of no hard return. It's to quit, man. You know, like if you you know if you really love it, I mean, it's a hard. You know, this is all I've been doing, man. Playing guitar, you know, and there's it's hard just to say, all right not done you know even even if i was done playing the band i'd still be playing my guitar at home man it's not like you know the, i i pretty much come home from work and i you know what do you do you grab a guitar and jam on the guitar and shit, you know yeah, why not write music yeah. then now i don't want to pry too much about family stuff but do your kids think it's cool or do they think it's lame oh yeah they love it yeah Okay, yeah, I mean, that's good. Because you know, once in a while you go in the store and there's people that recognize you. They think it's like first, you know, I got my my old daughter. She, you know, she makes fun of it first because she's like, "That's pretty cool, Dad." <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. That that's yeah. that's that's cool that they're they're you know they're old enough to appreciate it now, man. Um, and and that you put you know a lot of yourself into it. Um, yeah, they're not really into the music, but they do appreciate you know that. Yeah, I guess they would like to see me having fun too. I mean, you know, I'm a big kid, so. Yeah, you can't always expect them to get into the music, man. But just have a, a respect for what you know where it comes from is good, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, Joe, you you know, like I always say on the podcast, I want to be respectful of your time, man. You've been very generous, and and I'm sure you know not just me, but the listeners appreciate it, man. All, all you've shared about the band. Um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you: uh, Are there any you know any plans? Uh, for 2023 for Mortal Suffering, any announcements or anything that you want to promote quickly before um, I wrap up and give you the kind of fu- the, the lightning round of questions, I guess we'll say. We're looking to be in the studio real early next year, man. We got a, uh, we're not, you know, we're not going to put out a full length of maybe an EP, maybe four or five songs. And uh, just, you know, to write a whole, you know, for us right now, just to write a whole album is just too much, man. So might just put out something short, just something just, to get us, you know, get the name out there. You know, we we got a couple of great songs we're working on right now. It's probably really happy the way it came out. Like everybody's doing their part, you know, like we're we're doing it right this time and which which I'm happy about. Like like I said, you know, we everybody comes down there, they're all doing their part. So, you know, we're getting to hear what the songs pretty much is gonna sound like when it's hundred percent and you know, that's all I'm that's all I'm asking for. Just you know, so I'm not going to the studio. Like that was another reason like, you know, everybody's gonna replace the guitar player. And right now I'm like no, let's just concentrate because, you know, when you grab another, when you grab another musician or whatever, another player to join you guys, it's always a step back. And then you got to show, instead of writing, writing your new music, you're going back showing him all the old music, make sure he's got that down. So we're taking a break from shows. We're just working, you know, just going to bust our ass trying to get these uh, couple of new songs out, man. Something new for, uh, for everybody to hear. Plus, we're getting sick of playing the old songs. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough balance, uh, um, well, you know, when you're in a band trying to trying to come up with uh, the set list. Um, yeah, the, balance, the, the old material and the new. We've material. had the set list for a while, and everybody's like, "Okay, we change it." But like, one thing we have, you know, we 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 don't play New York that much. I mean, we honestly, we, you know, like, and that was like I was, I was telling you real earlier, like playing with, you know, when I always tell these, you know, playing with young kids sucks too because 
you don't want to hold them back. Cause I'm not looking to play every weekend. I'm not looking to play, you know, like, uh, you know, just playing a bark or just a show now type, you know, like you, you wanted the show to be worth playing to, you know, that, you know, just to make it, you know, just to, something to do. I can't do that no more. I'm not just going to go play uh, you know, a show just because it's something to do. And, and uh, like I tell these guys, you guys want to join other bands, you guys are more than welcome to join other bands, which most of them are. Like our bass players in another band, our drummers in another band. And they just, like I said, they, this is just like when it comes down to us, whenever you can make it, you know, we come down to practice and we let you know plenty of time for the show. And, you know, hopefully everybody can make it that same date. So, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Tyler's other band, uh, I'm actually going to be having Tyler on the show in a few weeks. Um, th- this December, we're doing all New York. We're keeping it straight in New York for December, all local friends uh, for the holidays. Tyler um, is going to be coming on soon to, to talk about orthopedic cranial encavement. Uh, if, I, yeah. if I pronounced all that right, man, his other yeah, band. I'll be honest with you. I can never <laughs> I don't, what I enjoy saying that. I'm not even sure if I got it right. But yeah, shout, shout out to Tyler. We're going to have him on to set the record straight very soon. Um, and speaking of setting the record straight, Joe, I'm going to let you off the hook in just one minute, but we always close out the interview by asking you to recommend one older release and one newer release of any kind of music you like, album, demo, otherwise, metal or otherwise for the listeners and I. Just recommend something old and something new that you listen to. I right, old, I still, I, I'm, I love obituary, man. Anything from, you know, I probably, you know, Cause of Death is probably one of my favorite albums, you know, that got to go with that. And I hate, you know, and new, I have to say, now seeing Stabbing Live and playing with them, they're just, to me, that's, just, that's the, new, the new sound right there for, mm. for Death Metal. Okay, Stabbing. I got I, I to look into this band. I've been hearing a lot about them, obviously, and, you know, I, I, there's only 24 hours in a day. I can't be on top of every new band, but I will look into that. Um, Definitely he- check them out, bro. Heavy praise. Okay, man. So obituary and stabbing. We're going. Yeah, we're going with the um, all classics. I can tell already, man. So uh, Joe Provisero uh, of Immortal Suffering. I really appreciate your time, brother. It's been great. I'll be in touch. Uh, this episode's probably going to go up tomorrow sometime. Actually, man. Shout out to Tom for editing it, and we're going to be on the lookout for Immortal Suffering wherever you pop up in 2023. Thank you, man. Cool, man. Thank you, Will. Thanks for everything. Of course, man. Have a good night, brother. I'll talk to you later. You too, bro. Later. Shout out to Joe from Immortal Suffering. We appreciate him and his time, man. Um, thank you very much for for uh, for him joining the show today, and thank you to you, Dave. Dave, you still with me? My co-host, Dave Gladding. Yeah, I'm here. I I almost drowned in um in history, but <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I survived. Yeah, man. With metal archives, man. Um, it's interesting you should mention that, man. Drown like drowning in the history of metal archives, as I do it every week for my research. Uh, Metal Archives is kind of coming to life now. Did you did you catch this? This band Enforced, um, uh, who's who's out there making waves? They they play. You know how some some places will let you throw your logo up on the uh, the digital display, um, behind you yeah. while you play. They they threw up their whole Metal Archives file. Did you see that? 
No, I didn't see that. That's amazing. <laughs> I saw this picture on Instagram today. It's a great man. Yeah, um, they. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't know where the show was. Hold on a second, man. I got to get the, the the name right because there was a listener who brought this to my attention quickly. It's very creative, at the least. I was on. I'm going to be very uh, honest. I'm. I'm mad. I didn't think of it first with one of my bands when we were playing live. Man, I found it very funny. Um, it's like it's like putting your resume up on a. I don't know. Uh, Ezra Hecht, um, a uh, uh, longtime listener of the show, brought this to my attention. Dave, can you see that right there? That's, jeez, that's amazing. Yeah, they yeah. they really did just have like their the actual website as their uh, as their background. Yeah, their metal archives profile. I, I I think that's fucking great. That's hilarious, man. That's one of the funniest things I saw. Um, yeah, have, have have fun with it, man. That's that's like the whole point of like make every show like a like a like an event you know do something interesting exactly man exactly man which is why we're gonna plug um uh tomorrow december 10th um you can still make it out to o'brien's pub in massachusetts uh to see former guests of the show karate steve um alongside i can't even read here alongside ancient death and iron gag of course man iron gag ancient death karate steve all playing at o'brien's pub in boston december the 10th at 9 p.m uh that o'brien's obviously steeped in metal history uh to my knowledge another show close another place steeped in local metal history dave i know you're familiar with mr beery's dude i used to live around the corner from that place i i, I love that bar yeah i live there it was fucking great. We've discussed this, and you're 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 not gonna like that this is happening now, as opposed to when you lived there. Um, one p.m. Sunday, December eleventh. There's a metal uh, matinee, ten dollars, twenty one plus. Funeral dancer. Shout to Nick Louise, past guest of the show. You can listen to uh, him talk about funeral dancer. Fester Gore, band from Staten Island. I've talked about before. We may try to summon them up from the graveyard for a conversation. Who knows? Um, also, Skullovich, uh, Stonehenge, and a band whose whose logo I'm having trouble with here, man. But check it out, man. Uh, Mr. Beery's uh, at 1 p.m. December 11th on Sunday, Metal Matinee. It's only 10 bucks. Uh, some quality bands, Funeral Dancer and Fester Gore, I know of. The other three bands, um, an added bonus. Maybe you like them. Um, maybe you don't. Let us know. And... Uh... Just to add that Mr. Berry's has a shitload of parking. Oh. So you don't have to carpool. Everyone and there's a diner next door. Mr. Berry's is the 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 yeah, like you said, the parking out back after so many times going to various venues in the city and having to circle blocks for 10, 15, 20 minutes and find parking and everything. Mr. Berry's is like a breath of fresh air when you're trying to park to get to that old show, man. And you could you go come and go as you please you want to go out to your car drop your merch off and come back in the show no problem it's all gravy like i i there's just something nice about it um good good feeling there so we're looking forward to that uh check that out if you can um besides that dave uh so so let's see we got the shows out of the way i i big shout to dave i put you on to broken flesh at one point on this show i believe one of the first times you hosted right oklahoma christian death metal band very brutal yeah so yes. kind of suffocation vibe. Uh, shout to them. I have reached out to them in the past and will because I do. I am interested in the story. But I see they recently opened up for Dark Funeral, Black Anvil, Immolation, and Cannibal Corpse in their neck of the woods when that tour hit them down south there. So big shout to them. Cheers to them. Um, we've been covering that that tour, that Cannibal Corpse Dark Funeral tour as it sweeps the nation like a tornado. I'm still pissed that I missed that tour up in uh, Albany. 
I was I see them advertising the last few dates of that, and I was like looking up flights to Athens, Georgia, which is like probably the last feasible place. It's like thirteen hours to drive, so I wasn't doing that. It's I, it's not gonna happen. I just got too much going on, man. But shout to those bands, and if you're in the if you're in uh, anywhere that they're, they're uh, playing, you should go see. Um, you can hang out with REM if you're in Athens, Georgia. I think that's where they're from. Oh, that's probably not where they're still living, man. <laughs> probably, guys are probably in Hollywood, man. Come on. probably. Or they just own the town. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, maybe they could get us a gig down there, play with Reeking Aura. Um, R-A and R-E-M, who knows. But so moving along, I'm glad we covered all that stuff, uh, the upcoming shows, shout to Bowel Erosion, shout to Broken Flesh. Enforced, uh, I like the idea. I, I like that they did it. Now, Another thing I like that you did was you brought a um, controversial recommendation to my um, attention tonight, man. Yeah, so my recommendation uh, tonight is the band Abuse from uh, British Columbia. Uh, their album Life of Virgin from the year 2000. It's uh, an independent release. It got mm. re-released later on a Comatose, but um, it was an independent release, and it is... It's 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 fucking brutal, you know. It's huh. unrelenting, like just crazy death metal. Got the got the uh, you know the the misogynistic, uh, like lividity esque sort of lyrical approach to it. But um, yeah, I I, I got the album when it came out. I remember list, like jamming it like crazy when I was like in my dorm room in college and shit. But like, what uh, did, do you have any thoughts about it? Uh well I listened to it and yeah it, it kind of has that um maybe like the like Turkish cenotaph uh kind of like pinging early, early style pinging brutality thing going on you know what I mean like kind of early two thousands brutal death metal I could hear that it seems a little bit um not like not flashy technical but it definitely seems like there's a lot going on in terms of the 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 music it's not just gore grind you know what i mean it's somewhat technical brutal death no, metal absolutely like like that that was the one thing that i got from like revisiting it because i i hadn't listened to it in ages but you can tell like each guy can play their instrument yeah you know like the guitar player is you know He's got his riffs. The bass players like like popping up there here and there. You know the drummers killing it. You know all, there's like weird drum fills and shit under riffs and stuff. Like yeah, there's a lot going on. There's like it's like, and the one thing that I I, I noticed too that I kind of forgot about was the production on the album is like it's it's like loud and like a real heavy production, but you can hear every single instrument, and it that's kind of like remarkable for I guess like a brutal death metal band you know there's always like something gets drowned out yeah oh so, so like you know yeah all that it's it's like musically it's it's a remarkable brutal death metal recording from that era um and i think in that era it probably would have stood out more now like that vocal style and a lot of that stuff has gotten played out by other bands nowadays but back then i'm sure it was pretty pioneering in terms of how brutal it was with a handful of other bands and <sighs> Here's the thing, man. I'm gonna lose a lot of uh, credibility with the brutal death metal crowd right now, but I gotta, I gotta be honest. Bands like this and Gorgasm, uh, and certain other bands for for like uh, the misogyny. I look, I can go gore all day. I can go gore grind and pathological stuff. Um, 
something about oh you know there was that other band who was that band uh cannibal corpse no <laughs> well that's the thing because it sounds kind of hypocritical to be even in the realm of death metal saying i you know i, I but i'm not like i'm not trying to censor anybody i'm not trying to have like a, a cancel conversation or anything like that it's part of death metal it's part of what some artists and some bands do and i've always equated it to uh um I guess exploitation movies, horror movies, splatter movies, whatever, that kind of culture and that sort of thing. But my any of my bands lyrically, that's not really what I was into. If you look at my record collection, there's not really a whole lot of that. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously, yeah, Cannibal Corpse did it back in the day and it was a big shocking thing. And there's a few other bands from back in the day that maybe, like, were, were pushing the limit on that before it was a thing. But, like... I don't know. I even feel like if you look at um, Butchered at Birth and, and some of those early Chris Barnes lyrics, as crazy and as explicit as they were, there was something a little bit more um, literary about them. Something like, like I don't I don't know, man. There's this thing where I feel like people push it to this kind of Gigi Allen shock value thing. Like, you know the band The Meat Shits, the noise core yeah. band? It was very pornographic and misogynistic and all that sort of thing. But it also, more or less, through you know, there's different releases have different sounds. It was like a noise core band. Um, the idea that these guys are putting so much work and re- rehearsing, recording, and you know, pro- good production on this like fairly technical, subtle, brutal death metal with you know, it's it's a it's it, it's not easy to do, and the aesthetic they choose for all of that is this kind of like, um, uh, I, I don't know what you want to like call it, like very like lowest common denominator, yeah, low brow misogynistic kind of, um, uh exploitation humor i don't know man like i guess i guess there's all types in the death metal scene man and you know different people are into this sort of thing for different reasons and i'm also you know i've been very frank about adam from anal birth getting me into all this sort of stuff man so everybody knows what you know what he's all about with the gore noise and and i like i'm not trying to sound hypocritical here but that kind of like lowbrow misogynistic thing has always kind of like turned turned me away from bands a little bit i think i want a little bit more that metal escapism from bands whether it's philosophical or or spiritual or anti-spiritual or i don't know what it is man but the idea of taking it to this kind of like lowbrow i like i've talked about this before i'm not really even into porno grind for that reason too you know, I don't know, man. I don't know if people want to like. Maybe there's like a Freud thing going on there, but I just like I don't really like mixing, um, hardcore weird sex stuff with like my my fandom of heavy metal. No, I, I, I'm 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 with you, man. Like I I really never got into the the like the misogynistic like porno thing either. You know, I I feel like for a while it was like it was unfortunately really like the driving theme for a lot of bands like there was like especially in like brutal death metal like the late 90s early 2000s and stuff and that was like you know i was just like whether it be like a lividity album or a dead album or like a dead not so much but like you know like a lot of bands out there they just kind of like it's like the music was good i never paid attention to the lyrics like i'm just not like a person that reads lyrics but like you know it's it's like painful to look at some of the album artwork and shit sometimes and like or the on like the inlay and stuff or and you're just like fuck like, like the music is so fucking good and like, yeah. right, like that's that's like kind of what you're 
the imagery you're you're sort of like rolling with there's like I don't know, like it's cool now that like it, at least you know there's like bands like worm that are talking about like fucking weird physics shit and like i don't know all the the osdm bands talking about lovecraft even though that's fucking beaten to death too but but there's yeah. something with, I, I feel like there's a little bit more dignity to that you know what i mean man like I, <laughs> oh yeah no no, no. Oh, yeah. Well, because you know like those like you know the dude from Wormed or something like that he probably is like reading a fucking book and he's like oh shit i'm gonna write a book about a black i'm gonna write a song about like this black hole or something like that whereas like i don't know these other guys like they're just like jerking off and they're just kind of like <laughs> they got like one hand on their dick and writing lyrics with the other one i, I don't i don't know man like it's just not it has very limited appeal to me yeah it's definitely for a certain crowd man um and i've always enjoyed the kind of like grandiose escapism of death metal and black metal and in terms of hardcore and grindcore maybe that kind of gritty street level perspective on things but um the idea of indulging your your uh your fetishes and and uh you know whatever you, you know i don't know and 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 exploiting kind of lowbrow toilet humor with something you like you like that's what i mean you spend so much time there's, on these and there's things. nothing wrong like, with like toilet humor if you're even if you're just like you write a whole song about like fucking farts or something or pooping or pissing in someone else's face it's like that's funny that it's like that's it's like, oh you're you're gonna write an entire album about raping women well can we also say this if you're gonna write albums about that or about like scatological humor and potty humor kind of like parody you know little potty humor parody bands like like that's you know go ahead do your thing whatever you want to do don't give it out to people for free people don't people don't want that shit for free man like just just let wait till somebody buys it if they're into it man stop giving that shit out for free to people with the stickers and the refrigerator magnets and everything else man yeah too much yeah the real problem i i lost you there for a minute man but um I was going to say that that is for the best. I was making a joke of saying that misogyny was secondary to over merchandising. Well, it's as like, as far as being a problem. Well, there, I'm all right. I'm not going to name the band. I'm not going to call them a bit, but there's like a band whose whole name and gimmick is just kind of like, a, you know, a porno grind derivative type of thing. And we met the guy once at a show at me and one of my bands. And he just like, he like literally gave us like free CDs and stickers and refrigerator magnets of like this like pornographic cartoon that was the album cover, and and it's like so it's it's just like like I what, what am I gonna do with I don't want this you know what I mean man like 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 you, you spend all the money to get all this shit printed up and you're just giving handfuls of it out to people who like aren't in on the joke you know yeah no I, I, I yeah I I agree I think that um. Like if someone gave me, if like say somebody from Gut just flew over to to New York and gave me a fucking a magnet of like or libido airbag, like gave me like a magnet with like like an album cover on it or something like that, it'd be like, what what do you want me to do with this? I can't put it on my refrigerator. Like <laughs> at least at least Gut or libido airbag, it would be cool. This is like yeah, this, well yeah, because they really like this wasn't even they, cool. <laughs> they they kind of started it, but you're like you're right. Like but I remember years and years ago like a buddy of mine was going to the which one it was like i think it was like the 98 uh ohio death fest 
and I just gave him like a like a stack of bills. I was like, dude, just go. You like, you know what bands I like? Like, just buy me a bunch of shirts. Like, I couldn't make it. And he fucking comes back and like the like one of the shirts that he, he brought back was like uh like a Lividity shirt. But do you have the album Fetish for the Sick? Um, their their first full. I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has, you know, I I can't remember what the shirt was like, but like, is that on the, the one? Back, that it's just got like people being stretched out, like on torture racks and stuff. I think. Yeah, but if you yeah. pick up the CD, there's a particular picture that I'm going to reference. Okay. And it's like, it's the the picture on the CD tray was like, like a woman's asshole, <laughs> but it was like big enough you could put like a you could drop a fucking coke can into it yeah and it wouldn't touch the sides and i was just like and that was the back of the shirt yeah and i was just like i was so pissed and like i knew he (laughs) he probably spent my money on a shirt that he wanted because he like probably ran out of money himself but i was like are you seriously like i told him no like graphic shit or album covers or anything like that and like like i was like so fucking annoyed that he like spent my money on a fucking stupid shirt like that but you know <sighs> you know, like yeah. he gave me the money back for it. Like it's not like I like ate the cost or anything, but I was just like, you know, like why do you put shit like that on t-shirts? Like you can't. No one can wear that shit in <laughs> in the supermarket. Uh, any, well, anywhere. you could, yeah. I guess. You could theoretically. That's what I mean, dude. It's a very specific crowd. Okay, it's a very specific crowd who's in on the joke with that sort of thing man i mean uh, all right it's it's you know what that's the thing i, I have a uh, i have a, another t-shirt anecdote if you uh if yeah you hear it. yeah please so i was uh you know early 2000s late 90s i was a fan of disassociate saw them live a bunch you know disassociate being the 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 grind cross band from new york city yes and uh so i wore my i like uh 9-11 i you know, didn't know what was going on. I got up to go to work. I went to work. Uh, and when I, as soon as I showed up, I clocked in. My boss was like, hey, you hear what happened? And like went through the whole thing, you know, like whatever. I'm not going to get into it. But the disassociate shirt that I was wearing that I wore to work that day, it said bomb the fucking USA on the back. Ooh, ooh, no. So I was like working, I was working in the meat department at a grocery store. So I had like my, my big white, uh like meat department lab coat on but at the end of the day i like wore it out and like wore it home and then, like when i got home i like you know threw the shirt in the garbage and shit because i was like i'm never gonna go to <laughs> wear this again but like oh, that was God. you know like it, that's yeah. the kind of shit where you got to take into consideration you know like that's why i don't like shirts with like the big block letter slogans on the on the back and shit and like it's like give me a logo give me like a one a one color print of like some ridiculous you know drawing i don't i don't need a lot of lettering or words or a message or lyrics or anything like that yeah i think you're speaking for a certain population of the metal scene uh that doesn't need the doesn't need the message as much as the music say and i I, i'm saying this as as the guy who writes the lyrics in my band and who does pay attention sometimes to these these things man but i think i think there's a whole other part of the scene that's like you that's like i don't give a shit what he's saying you know right yeah, more or less. I mean, like, if there's good lyrics, I can appreciate that. And actually, the uh, can I can I do a segue? Yeah, well, all right. <laughs> Since, you want to drop? Why you want to go to the next band? I was gonna say the next band actually seems like it has really good lyrics. Okay, so hold on. Like when I was listening, but I, I don't want to. I don't know. Well, because I, I don't, don't want to fuck it up because I'm gonna do it wrong. We gotta drop the sample. 
of um of uh, of this band. We gotta drop oh, yeah. the sample of abuse right. first, and then then I'll let you ride the segue after that. All right. All right. Sorry, Tom. You gotta edit that part out. gonna edit anything out man so so we just gave you a a sample of of the abuse we just abused you with abuse um and you were saying about the lyrics though yeah this uh this next band that you uh introduced me to uh druid ward you know i i was listening to the album a couple times and the one thing one thing that really stuck out like I, i didn't have a lyric sheet in front of me or anything like that but i was catching a lot of bits here and there of lyrics that sounded it sounded interesting. It sounded like they were really like kind of, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, like, like, like they have like a narrative quality to them. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, it sounds like it's like kind of telling a story in a way. And I was like, I kind of wish I had the, uh, you know, the album in front of me with like a full lyric sheet to, uh, to kind of follow along. But I mean, it was, it was good stuff. Yeah, man, um, a hundred percent. That's a yeah, Druid Lord, uh, Relics of the Dead, their album from this year, two thousand twenty-two, on Hell's Headbanger Records. Um, if you even look at the song titles, uh, Thirteen Days of Death, Mangled as the Hideous Feed, Immolated into Ashes, Monarch Macabre. There's just wordplay. And you know what's funny? We kind of randomly you threw that abuse record at me yesterday, and I kind of randomly threw this Druid Lord record at you today because I was checking it out before, uh, and we didn't mean to kind of compare and contrast lyrics and subject matter like this. But this is so much more up my alley. And like you're, you're right, there's certain. I think there's even certain words, like just words and phrases themselves, that lend themselves to to metal and death metal. And and the pronunciation, you know what I mean? And and you're right. This band definitely has like more of a narrative and it adds depth to the band. Cause like say this band, Druid Lord, say they sounded the way they sound, but they were all about kind of like misogynistic, lowbrow humor, it would it, they could call it, it like brutal dick doom. It would just take, like all it would, that would, it would be know. it would be kind of funny, but it would take away Sorry. It would take away from the depth of the band. You know what I mean? Like, this is the the album cover with this kind of, like, dead king rising from the grave with this crazed look in his eye. And like you said, the lyrics and the vocals infer some sort of dramatic narrative. That, and, to me, is what I want from my metal. You know what I mean? And I, I actually, the uh, the lyrics, I was like, I was listening to the album today, and I was, I had it in my, in my earbot, ear, oh, shit my earbuds in my ears and i was like but i was doing chores and shit while i was listening to the album and the lyrics on like one of the later songs in the album really kind of like grabbed my attention but previously i was like not feeling the album i was kind of like this album kind of sucks you know it's not that it's just not doing it for me and everything but then so i listened to it again and then i was like oh shit no it's like you know there's a lot more like i I don't know if i just like wasn't paying attention to it the first time but like the second time through i was like it's a great album 
you know, it's good shit. It's got a lot, of, a lot more to it than I was, you know, previously noticed. But uh, the, the lyrics were the thing that really kind of popped out to me. That's interesting. I had a similar experience, not really with the, not not because of the lyrics, but the first time I listened to this, I it didn't hook me as much. Like I, I felt like I had to give it another listen. Like there was more there than was really catching me. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes you're just not in the mood for a certain specific type of metal or type of music. You know, like you got you want to be in yeah. the mood to listen to something, man. You know, you can't force it. Uh, it's you know, this is all at the end of the day. It's supposed to be about you know enjoyment anyway. We enjoy this music, so it's like. And for some reason, I listened to it earlier today, and it just it hit me, man. And it was like, I think it struck me as, first of all, this is Doom. Even though there's a lot of death metal in it, it's still kind of slow and very paced out Doom. That in itself is requires a little extra effort from me because I'm not a Doom guy. I'm not a slow-paced guy with, with music. With walking, yes, I'm kind of slow. But with music, I like things speedy. I live vicariously through uh, my music so with the doom stuff today i guess i would you know and it was also maybe the atmosphere is rainy and drizzly and cold out today just kind of shitty out like i don't know maybe that did it like but this album if you're ready for a fast-paced technical metal album this album is going to sound boring to you because this album is soaked in atmosphere it's like an overdose of atmosphere like it's it takes a lot of the my my favorite we all love old school finnish death metal everybody loves that's a huge thing now everybody knows about the the first albums by bands like um uh convulse and demigod and uh you know it goes on and on you know we won't go down that wormhole right now but one of the main reasons why we love that is the atmosphere, you know, not just the brutality. This band Druid Lord kind of just is all atmosphere. They're all that that dreary, dark, foggy uh, take on death metal atmosphere. They kind of take that and sap it all out and make doom metal with it. And I, it, it's it's to great effect. This isn't. I, I don't know if this is their first album. I know, I know they've had several like EPs and tapes that were put out before this, so they've had time to refine their sound. And it sounds like they know what they're doing, man. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I was um one thing that I, I noticed on on a re-listen that I was a little like like this is by no means a criticism because I thought the, the whole album was great, but the first song it seems like it kind of like I don't know if it was written by somebody else or if it was written at a different period in time from the other other songs but there was like the first song especially it's got a lot of like sort of like high like you know like the the screamy death metal vocals or black metal vocals there's like a couple of riffs that had like employed more of like a black metal style like chord shape or something like that and it's just like like it it was just like these little pops of like interesting uh different kind of stuff in the songs but i mean like overall i thought the album was was a great album i, I thought it really like it it was a like it, it covered it hit a lot of bases for me like it had like the sort of old like doomy autopsy yeah sound. I, I heard yeah. i heard a little bit of like my dying bride in there with some of the guitar harmonies and like there was it, it there's more going on than it seems like it's not just like a slow death metal album exactly like at first glance it could sound like a slow death metal album but if you really have the time and the inclination to listen to this and let it let it grow on you there's a lot of atmosphere there man and um having heard some of their older material they're a band who's worked hard and kind of been in, in the uh in the lab 
figure out exactly how to how to combine you know these different styles of extreme metal with doom metal just right man so i i definitely recommend this man um uh that's uh on hell's headbangers records 2022 druid lord with relics of the dead their new album man and they have they have some other material beyond that to go back and check out man if you really like this stuff man kind of like a it's one of those albums that to me is more like a almost like a movie like an old creepy horror movie in a way you know what i mean yeah no definitely especially with the 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 lyrics it had that kind of yeah you know like i forget which song it was but there was like yeah I, I can't even I'm not even gonna try to recreate what the what the lyrics were like, but yeah, it had like it, it painted like sort of like a a picture. Like I I don't know if the guy was like referencing historical events or if he was like, you know, coming up with these sort of like stories off the top of his head or anything yeah. like that. But it was like there was yeah, you know, there was something there. And it definitely like the, the music fit whatever the theme of the song was. Yeah. Yeah, man. I like when you said Doomy or uh, Autopsy. It is kind of like how Autopsy used to get down with the with the Doom, man. So this is a highly recommended So, um, Dave, I appreciate you uh, co-hosting this episode with me, man. Riding along, man. bringing that recommendation in. Man, I'm always happy to uh, to come around. Hell yeah, man! Um, come a chameleon, as uh, my mother's favorite artist, uh, Boy George, would say. Um, and uh, we shout shout out, of course, again to Joe from Immortal Suffering, the rest of Immortal Suffering. We appreciate him and the and those guys. Uh, check out for all their stuff that they're going to be doing in 2023, man. Um, beyond that, man, we we hope you check out these recommendations. You be the misogyny and death metal. How do you feel about it? Leave us a voicemail, uh, email at heavyholepodcast at gmail dot com, um, or check us out on the on the social media. Uh, you give us your input on it, man. Um, uh, we'll let the listener make the call. Uh, beyond that, um, I think that should about wrap it up, man. We appreciate all you guys sticking with us, heavyholepodcast dot com, and um, uh. Hmm. Huh. I'm at a loss for how to end this one, man. Do we do yeah, we got, say everything? Nothing. Do we say everything we gotta say? Patreon. Oh, okay. Uh, if you want more of this type of content, you can check us out at patreon.com. Um, also, uh, be sure to check out those upcoming shows. Tomorrow, if you're in Boston, go to O'Brien's Pub. Uh, check out Karate Steve, former guest of the show. Check them out anyway, even if you can't. And uh, make sure you check out Funeral Dancer, Fester Gore, and more at the Metal Matinee at Mr. Beery's on Long Island. Uh, on Sunday, um, that's December the 11th, man. So go to, go to your local shows. And if you want more of that show action, go to nycmetalscene.com. Um, shout out to Matt. Matt's always keeping it uh, updated for everybody, man. Uh, we normally read a few of those shows, man. We'll get back into that next time, Dave. We, I, th- I think we, we got enough for this episode. Where's Justin? He's on one. 